This podcast is a 98 Studios production. Hello, everyone. My name is Joe Morton, and welcome to my podcast, which is entitled A Cup of Joe. This is a podcast dedicated to health and wellness. So we're going to talk about it all, and I love this subject. I'm passionate about it, and I want you to know something. I'm grateful to be a part of your journey. And again, all the different things that we're talking about are going to help you understand that you hold the key and that your success is in your hands and greatness is out there for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of A Cup of Joe. I am so excited for this. We're going to jump into running. We're going to talk about running. We're going to talk about running uh, with one of my favorite people in the world when it comes to the world of running. And just in general, Golden Harper, uh, legend, and uh, super stoked to be able to dive into it. Before we get into that, I just want to give you a tip for the day for running. Okay, here's my little tip, because I'm hoping that this podcast is going to inspire someone watching someone listening to take their exercise to a different level. Start with walking. Maybe that's where you're going to start today. Maybe you're going to start walking. Maybe you're going to transition from walking to running. You're going to start running a little bit more. Maybe you're going to train for a 5K, a 10K, half marathon, a marathon, whatever it might be, and it inspires you to take that to the next level. Maybe it inspires you to get a PR your own personal record, you know, you're going to push to the next level, whatever it might be. Here's a little tip for running for today. Just a quick tip. Be prepared and you shall not fear. Be prepared for when you go running. Okay. We're in the season change right now. You want to make sure you have the right gear. You want to make sure you have the right, uh, in fact, Golden and I went for a run this morning. Went, oh, it's amazing. Beautiful, beautiful morning run. It's autumn, personal favorite time of year to run for me. And, uh, Came with a little little light jacket, very small, very light wind windbreaker, which was important because we got hit with some canyon wind this morning. Had a little bit of a pair of gloves, real slight pair of gloves that helped protect a bit, and it was exactly what I needed. Had I not had that jacket, though, I think it would have been too little. So just be prepared, whether it be the fall, winter, spring, summer, whatever it might be, be prepared going into it. And okay, I'm telling you this. Make sure you go to the bathroom beforehand. Worst thing, I'm telling you, when you're out for a run, prairie dogging it, not fun. Okay, so <laughs> okay, so let's jump in. I'm so excited truth. for this. <laughs> truth, isn't it? Every runner will be able to say this. Okay, so let's jump into this, Golden. I'm so excited to have you with us. Now, those who know Golden, those who know you will know you about ultra footwear. I mean, you started one of the greatest, and it was your inspiration. It was your story. Uh, others joined along the way. Oh. Yes, lots of help. Including but, you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. It was an honor to be a part of that journey. But, I mean, it came from your inspiration. It came from your your upbringing, your experience, your understanding of running mechanics and what and, and uh, help to avoid injuries and the whole bit. Before we jump into that incredible part of the story, this is your background. Dude, you are... You are uh, a part of this legendary running family. I mean, your dad was a legend, is a legend, Hawk, in the in the running community. Tell us about that upbringing. I mean, you're a family of runners. Yeah, and uh, it, it that wasn't the case for my parents. You know, uh, our their background was from sedentary families and lots of overweight people. So we show up to family reunions and everybody's like, uh, who are the skinny people? <laughs> you know, that, that was just us, right? And so... Uh, my parents didn't have that. And I think they both found running and got stoked about running shortly before they met each other. And I was born Oh, really. and, um, and as a result, I grew up in a time when my parents, like the stoke was high for running because it had changed their lives, you know? And, uh, you know, they were race directors. My dad was product testing for Nike, working for Nike, um, when I was, you know, super young and when I was born and, uh, you know, worked for multiple shoe companies and then started runner's corner, the shoe store. And, uh, my mom, you know, has won St. George marathon a couple times and was second seven times. So, you know, wow. and I witnessed that all while I was growing up. Uh, and so that was kind of the environment I grew up in. My next door neighbor was also an Olympic trials qualifier. Everybody I knew ran. So I was the kid who showed up at kindergarten and I was like, Hey, where do you run? <laughs> and people are just like, don't talk to me, <laughs> you know, you're weird. Uh, but, but to me running was life. That's, that's just what people did. I just thought humans ran, you know, uh, which, which historically humans did. 
Um, so there, there's that connection for me. And so, yeah, running has always been life and, and yet I don't define myself by, by it at the same time. So, uh, love it, respect it, love everything it's done for my life and it does for others. Um, it's just, it's just a piece of things. And you grew up in that running store too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everyone in the area of course knows your. Yeah. We opened when I was nine. I started working there at age nine. I started being left there alone at age 10. Um, and I had to know my stuff because, you know, people come in and they're like, can can somebody help me? And you're just like, yeah, it's me or or, yeah, it's me, (laughs) you know? And and they're like, okay, I'll be leaving now. And they turn around. I'm like, I can see you have some right footy version on that shoe, sock any shoe with a ground reaction inertia device. Okay. I'm listening, you know, like had to really know my stuff. So from young age, total shoe nerd, you know, Mm. I love shoe technology. Loved it all. Thought of, I mean, gel, hydroflow, 3D fusion, DMX, grid, ground reaction, inertia device, like so many cool technologies. So awesome. You just Not good grew for up your body, this. but you know, <laughs> yeah. like, but that's what I grew up in. But again, which ultimately led you to, to alter. Yeah. But before that, one of your, one of your, uh, things that I learned about you right in early age, you were 12 years old. Was it 12 years old when you ran your first marathon? 10. 10. Yeah. When you ran your first marathon. I wanted to run when I was eight. My goodness. I begged. Which marathon was it for? St. George. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my parents, everybody ran my next door. Like I said, everybody's running St. George. It was the keystone of the year, you know? And, and when I was eight, I was like, can I run? And my parents were like, you're eight, you know? And that year at St. George, I turned nine. They gave the performance of the day trophy, which was a six foot tall trophy. They called the dole performance of the day trophy and they gave it to the youngest runner who was 12 who ran a pretty dang good four and a half hour marathon and i just never let my parents hear the end of it it was like if you would have let me run would have got that trophy that's twice as tall as i am you know and i promise you to a 10 year old kid runner there's nothing cooler than a six foot tall trophy like that's as good as it gets you know, I mean, even today, like, I don't have a six foot trophy. I don't either. Like, you know, Who so you get you a six foot trophy. No, what would I do with that crap? You know, <laughs> like, I mean, I think about it now, but, but then like, that was the thing was the six foot tall trophy. Right. And, um, I just begged and begged and my, my parents were like, no, you're, you're nine now. You're like, no. And I, I, my dad finally, eventually I just peppered him so much. He was just like, fine, fine. Just leave me alone. If, if you run rim to rim in the grand Canyon and you run to the top of Mount Timpanogos and back, and you do these other two long runs that these are things that are like all harder than a marathon. Yeah. And I think, I think the thought process for him is like, Timp alone is what, what's the elevation gain? Almost 5,000 feet of earth, you know, like, um, and I think my dad just thought like, Hey, he'll go and do this and realize this is for the big boys. Like th- these are adult activities, you know, and I'm kind of messed up. I, I kind of liked it. <laughs> uh, and uh, so I ran rim to rim in the Grand Canyon and and killed it, you know. Right. And then the next day they were like, well, we're, we're going to have a soup. You're probably, you know, beat up. you're like, nine years old. I'm nine. Yeah. I'm like, Jeez. I'm like, I'm coming rim to rim. Yeah. <laughs> so the next day I went and did 25 more miles and have a soup um, so we did 50 miles in two days and my dad's like, well, crap, you know, I think I got to let him run the marathon. So against all his wishes, they, they signed me up and let me run. And, you know, the thing about doing stuff harder than the race is that the, the race tends to go well. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't like doing all this crazy marathon training. I was just having fun running in the mountains and, and, mm-hmm. and the canyons, you know, and I, I ran 308 as a 10 year old state record. Incredible. Like, and I was just chasing deer around the foothills, you know, <laughs> 10 years old. I hope that just sinks in everyone. Anyone who's run a marathon, you're like, what? At 10 years old, 308. Well, and it, it's hard for me to talk that's about. Like, what, that's like a 10 and a half. What is that? 10 and a half minute. I don't know. Whatever that is. And it's seven minute miles. Oh, whoa. Yeah. It's stupid. That's like, crazy. I, like I, I talk about this. At 10 years old. I'm I'm not speaking from experience. I'm telling somebody else's story. That's how it feels to me. And by the way, Golden continues. You continue to run mountains. I mean, I called, we, I called it last week. I'm like, Hey, the last two times you've (laughs) called me, I've been up, I've been up doing 14ers. Yeah. He lives in Colorado. You have in Colorado now. Yeah. And so you have this goal to hit all, are you trying to do all of them? I guess you can't do all of them because some of them are on private land and stuff. Yeah, but pretty much. Um, I've done about 40 of them. 
Yeah, 40. So I'm most of the way there. Incredible. But I like to run down. I'm really fast. That's my thing. Um, since yeah. a young age, I try to I run keep downhill. up with you going down. I know. So I set lots of downhill records. Yeah. It's, it's like, uh, it's kind of fun on to big watch. mountains. It's, it's more of an X game sport than it is running. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, people think like, Oh, this is running. But if you actually run down giant mountains really, really fast, it's like, I'm, I'm wearing protection. Mm-hmm. Which we're going to get, in, which we're like, going to get into that uh, in a second, you know, head to toe protection. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's a contact sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's fun. It's, it's probably closer to like downhill mountain biking mm-hmm. as far as what it is. Yeah. Your, so, your foot I love that. strike is so quick going downhill. It's really quite, quite fun to follow you going downhill. You mm-hmm. were kind on me today when we were going down those, <laughs> you were keeping it, keeping it uh light, but usually you're just like a just mountain yeah. goat going down. Yeah. And going fast. I just love the adrenaline. Mm-hmm. Like I could die at any moment, you know, mm-hmm. fly off a cliff or like, you know, crash. And I did, I crash hard. I drop blood almost every week. Mm-hmm. You know, every time I post, you know, a mountain on Strava, my sister, one of them has to chime in and be like more blood, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. It's how you know you're alive though. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you bleed and you're like, I'm alive. Yeah. I'm a man. Like I'm, a, I'm alive. Like I'm bleeding. <laughs> exactly. Cool. So all this, all this experience growing up, you're, you're in the running store all the time. You have people coming in all the time looking for, I mean, you were, like you said, the age of eight or nine, you're already counseling people on running technique on their gait, their running style, their foot strike, everything that goes along with it. Yeah. Cause all my dad the, really. Yeah. And your dad taught you that. I mean, he still has that perfect running. Had to form. Yeah. Yeah. Had to. So you, Years and years pass. You're just in there always grinding away. You're going through school. You're growing up. You're, you know, and you just hear everything. You're hearing all the, and at what point do you start going, hmm, this is, I got to change something in the shoe that led you to that idea of I'm going to, people may have heard this story before, but start chopping shoes up, start Frankenstein and shoes here for people to get, to get, to learn how to run properly and avoid injuries and the whole bit. Uh, I think the intention to do it on a mass scale was, was never really there. Um, it was, it was very much about me and the people I was working directly with. Um, and my dad, Frankensteining shoes was nothing new to me. It was nothing new in my house. That was something we did. My dad was always Frankensteining shoes. So, um, you know, for him, so for people that don't know my dad, Hawk, no cartilage in his knee, blew his knee out playing football in college. He was, he was a great college football player, actually drafted to play pro baseball. Um, I guess it was before there was really a draft, but same idea, uh, by the angels. Um, and, and he blows his knee out obviously total career change, no longer going to be a professional athlete, unhappy triad injury. So, you know, meniscus and both supporting ligaments. Um, and he's sitting there bone on bone and the doctor said, you're never, you're never going to walk normal. You're never going to run again. And the second part has been true. Like he's never walked normal again in his life. Uh, and, um, he gets into weightlifting gets into, uh, you know, jumping off big cliffs to, you know, still get an adrenaline rush, I guess. And, uh, and then he gets a postcard in the mail. His roommate's dad sent them a postcard and they get this postcard and it says, if you guys are real men, you'll do this. And they flip the postcard over and it's Las Vegas marathon. And it's like two months away. And my dad's 240 pounds, you know, my height, you know, five ten ish. I can't imagine that. I mean, just jacked, right. You know, near state record in the oh, bench okay, press. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, the guy's just huge. Um, totally ripped. And he's like, well, I, I got no knee. Like I, I can, you know, but this man does not back, back down to a challenge, you know? Um, so him and his, his buddy, they go and try and run the Las Vegas marathon. It's disastrous. Like they barely finish there at the very end, you know, at the back of the race. And for the first time, I think in my dad's, you know, life, he was really bad at something and it, it pissed him off, you know? And he was like, I gotta get good, you know? And, you know, to make a long story short, he sees some Kenyan runners run eventually and his knees just excruciating. I mean, just so incredibly painful for him. 
And, but he sees these Canyon runners run. And he's like, Oh my gosh, they, they, uh, we, we crash. I crashed down the road. Everybody, we all crashed down the road. Those guys float. They float down the road. I'll bet if I taught myself to run like that, my knee wouldn't hurt so bad. And so he teaches himself to run like a Canyon and it helps his knee not hurt. And seven years later, 1984, he wins the St. George marathon runs 222 and his shoes. He's actually 222. Yeah. Oh, um, which is fast today, but I mean, back then it was, Boy, yeah, that's know, really fast. Yeah. Um, but his shoes, he actually got the lightest, most flexible shoes he could get. And then he drilled holes all through the back half of the shoe to make the back half of the shoe lighter because that made his knee hurt less. Um, and so that was, you know, I was two years old at the time. And this is the kind of shoe modifying that was happening at my house from a very So you young saw age. this? Sort of I saw it all the time. I mean, my dad was always messing with shoes. So, um, so that was nothing new. And, uh, you know, for me, I went and lived in Hawaii for a couple of years. And, you know, I think your question was like, what, what led you to start questioning, you know, mm-hmm. the status quo per se? And I had spent 10 years at the running store by the time I went off to college. And, uh, you know, I'd been, you know, trying to be really good at what I do. Most people come in to buy shoes because something hurts or something's mm-hmm. wrong. You know, I wanted to be really good at helping out with that. And so I, I made that my college major was like the foot health and running injury major, you know, and, um, as, as I got into it, you know, bef- before I went off to college, I'm like, we don't actually get any training. You know, people that work at running stores, we don't, we, we, we get training running. Yeah. No, every runner, like runners don't get any training. The employees, the staff at the running shoe store don't get any training except by shoe companies. Well, if you think about that, that's kind of backwards. Like that's, that's just propaganda. That's not training. Um, and I thought that was kind of messed up, you know, and, and I started to question, you know, it's like for 10 years I'd been selling people's shoes and all the things the shoe companies had been telling me to do for people might've helped feel good in the short term, but they didn't create lasting long-term positive results. Um, and so I'm starting to question like the whole, the whole thing, you know, and, uh, even at an early age, right? You know, yeah. I'm, se- still- I'm like 17, 18. Wow. And I'm like, eh. I mean, I've been selling shoes for 10 years at this mm-hmm. point though. And I'm, I'm just feeling like, wow, we don't really get any scientific training. We just get propaganda from shoe companies and obviously it's in their best interests. So I'm questioning it. Um, go off to college, do all this research. And basically everything I've been taught is scientific bullcrap. It's just not true. You know, the propaganda that the shoe companies had told me to tell people, you know, I mean, we, we, I'll, I'll just give the best example. I move out to Hawaii for two years at the end of college and I get out there, I'm surrounded by giant Polynesians with flat feet that are overpronating like crazy, wearing no shoes or terrible shoes, slippers, you know, flip-flops. And this is everything every shoe company has, and, you know, shoe insert whatever company has told me is terrible. It's like, these people are heavy. They are overpronating. Their feet are collapsing in. They have flat feet. Like, these are death sentences in the shoe world. And, and I'm, you know, and I'm still trying to root this out of me. You know, I mean, it's definitely against our philosophy to some degree, but it's still been beaten into my head for a decade. And, you know, I get to know these, these Polynesians and I'm, you know, I'm working with people and I'm just like, Hey, so shoes and feet are kind of my thing. And, you know, you're you, and I I know what kind of shoes you wear and you have flat feet and all this stuff. I'm like, I can, I can help you. Like, tell me about your feet. And they would always look at me and they'd be like, bro, my feet, my feet don't hurt. And I'd like one after another. And I'm like, no, it's cool. You can tell me like, it's, it's fine. I'd, I'd love to help you out. You know, my feet don't hurt, bro. You know, like over and over and nobody's feet hurt. 350 pounds, flat feet, collapsing in, wearing no shoes, no problem, you know? And that made me really start to question like, okay, uh, we got to dig into this. So I spent two years just digging into, you know, history of foot conditions and, and where foot problems come from and, and all this stuff. And, you know, you look at the billion people on the planet that don't wear modern shoes. They got no foot problems. You know, it's, 
it's not an issue for them. They have, they, they have short-term things like, you know, they might kick a coral or like drop something on their foot or, you know, get a fungus or, you know, something like that. But they don't have any of the chronic foot conditions we have. You know, you hear people say like, oh, I got my bunions from my mom. No, you got your fashion sense from your mom. You got your bone malleability from your mom, but you still wear shoes and shoes are shaped like feet with bunions. And therefore you got a bunion, you know, neuromas, what we used to call plantar fasciitis, plantar fasciopathies, um, any kind of foot condition basically coming from your shoes. Um, like 99% of all chronic foot conditions Which? are caused by the elevated heels and tapered toe boxes of, of modern shoes deforming your foot out of natural position. And the more your feet come to look like the shoes you wear, the more pain you're in, period. You know, I hope you're making, taking note everyone. Cause this was such, you got, you got to know you made such an impact in me. Cause when we first started getting involved together, I was, a, I was a heel striker, clearly a heel striker. I didn't understand why I kept getting all these injuries, injuries. Yeah. It's not supposed to hurt. I mean, I would get injury after injury and you had me read born, born, born to run. run. McDougal wrote that book and it was incredible. And I remember just thinking, Oh my gosh, like, could this be Yeah, through multiple techniques that you taught me and just understanding, like, I really am born to run. I mean, as humans, yeah, I don't have those injuries anymore. Yeah. It's cool. It's amazing. It's so cool. So thank you, Golden. Yeah. No, (laughs) love it. I love that. That's the best. Me either. I mean, like, I mean. I really got on t- into all this stuff, you know, shortly before Ultra. And, you know, I, I tell people since I learned to get my toes spread and strengthen my feet and realign my body and run with great technique, like, I have not had a typical overuse running injury in over 15 years. Incredible. So, okay. With that said, yeah, that that's the, well, this, all these years, you know, of experience yeah. and passion passion for running, passion for the sport, of course, and helping people. Cause that is definite. I, I do appreciate that about you, Golden. You're at the Corvette. You just love to help people. Yeah. Heck, I ran into someone yesterday that like flipped out because they're, they're an ultra fan. And then her mother who lives in another state took a clinic from you and it changed and she's coming to the senior games in Utah here and yeah. next week in St. George. So cool. And it's amazing how many people you've helped, not just me, but like countless people you've helped. So you go from that to start like you chopped up. Okay. So what you just said, you talked about, yeah, we didn't about, make the connection. You, you, yeah. you, ta- you talked about foot shape. Mm-hmm. This is ultimately what led to you started um, chopping shoes, yeah, uh, and uh, sending them to the shoe cobbler. And talk about that. Talk about that, and and because that's a big part of it. The zero drop uh, that yeah. that that's the chopping part, which ultimately led to hey, let's start ultra. Yeah. So I come back from Hawaii. I I'm now back managing the shoe store, and everything I know is wrong. I mean, everything I've studied at school is like everything I've learned from shoe companies is hundred percent scientific garbage. It just, it doesn't add up. It does not follow what I have learned at school. It doesn't follow any of the studies I've done, any of the research I've done, you name it. And uh, we start filming people. We slow motion video came available. We're able to watch people run in slow motion. And these you do v- that in the store. Yeah. yeah. And these Vibram five fingers had come out. We'd been selling those for a couple of years as a training tool to strengthen your feet I still and, and work on your form. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, they're, they're such a great training tool. And we, we want to see like, well, you know, what's happening. And my dad basically would teach everybody that came in the store or almost everybody a lesson on how to protect their body and have more fun when they're running. Um, basically teach them how to run in a way to protect their knees and, and basically what he had to do. Um, because if he doesn't run with great technique, he doesn't run at all because, you know, yeah. bone on bone. And um, so we start filming and we film people barefoot and five fingers. They look pretty similar. Humans naturally in their natural state run in a, in a nice low impact way. And then we film them in the shoes. That was we've one of the things them. you pointed out to me when his kid, like kids run oh, naturally. They, yeah, look beautiful without Watch shoes on. a kid. You yeah. remember you telling me that. Watch a kid run. It's perfect. It's gorgeous. Until you start sticking shoes on them. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So uh, then we start filming them, these same people in the shoes that we've sold them. So we film them barefoot or we film them in five fingers and then we film them in the shoes that we've just sold them. 
And I just remember we're all like, oh, you know, I don't know if we're really helping people here. And I remember my dad looking at me and he's like, you know, I try and give everybody a lesson on how to protect their body when they run. And the, f- the film here makes it look like we sell them a pair of shoes that undoes everything we teach them every single time they go running. I get one shot at teaching them. The shoes get to teach them badly every single time they're out there. So I start looking at shoes like why, you know, and it turns out as I dig into shoes, drop was not a term. We invented it. Um, but the way shoes are built, shoes are twice as thick and twice as heavy in the heel is there in the forefoot. The, the midsole foam is all the cool stuff's in the back half of the shoe. The hard heel counters in the back of the shoe. The back half of running shoes is a lot heavier than the front half. And as we would watch people go through the gate cycle, you know, basically as they would run, you know, when you're barefoot, you stay pretty parallel to the ground like this. But in a shoe, what happens is your foot comes out in front of your body and your your heel drops because the back half of the shoe is heavier. And then because it's thicker, it engages the ground two and a half, three inches earlier. And that's what we were seeing on film. And obviously I didn't think that was a good thing. And as I started to break down, you know, how shoes were made, it was like, okay. So, you know, barefoot running is not an option. Five fingers are not an option. We live in a concrete world. Humans may have been created to, may have been born to run, but we were born to run on grass and dirt. Um, we weren't born to run on concrete. Our whole like muscle structure and the way our, the bones of our feet are not set up for that. Um, and, and then I'm training for a 50 mile race, super rocky race in the mountains. Like it's not happening. I need protection. And so it's like, how do we mimic running on grass or dirt with protection? And that was where I came up with this idea of, okay, let's get shoes that have a moderate amount of cushioning, like the right amount of cushioning for the distance we're doing that help the concrete feel like grass or dirt. Um, and then if I'm running in the trails, they need to have traction, they need protection, rock protection, et cetera. Um, and this whole idea of getting the shoe to be weight balanced front to back, be the same amount of cushioning front to back and then shaping the shoe. So it's actually shaped like a human foot. Um, which Instead is, of, you know, most shoes are, which are pointy. Which is brilliant. Um, thank you. Uh, <laughs> it's, Why has nobody done this I know, before? People, like, like, what the? people say this to me all the time. That's brilliant. I'm like, it's really stupid, actually, that we have to go back and shape shoes to be shaped like feet. And you may be looking at yourself thinking to yourself, no, I'm wearing shoes right now. Sho- of course shoes are shaped like feet. No, they are not. They are not. Like, sh- shoes are not shaped like feet. Um, so, so, which, which is a big point. I remember you talking about this, by the way, this is the foot shape. I remember when the design was being made, you specifically wanted to have five. Yeah. Metatarsal heads basically there. Right there. And when we, when we first, when the, they first came to market, you could always tell on a trail if someone was using ultras because of that print. Yeah. Or you'd you'd see this too, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was so cool. Still today, you know, I was mm-hmm. out in the mountains just the other day and, uh, you know, I was running with a buddy and we were up doing a couple 14ers and I was like, somebody's got Lone Peaks in front of us. Yeah. And he's just like, how do you know? I'm like, you can he's, tell. Like, he's like, oh yeah. You know, <laughs> and sure enough, this girl comes trucking down the trail and it's like Lone Peaks, you know, <laughs> yep. it's easy to see. I remember you talking about that in the early days. You said you, 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 you had me take my socks off. Mm-hmm. And I put my foot down and what does your toes do? Boom. Well, what they should do. Yeah. Most and people's don't they, much right and, now. And in a traditional running shoe, you, you can't do that. There's stuff. And yet yeah. that's what your foot naturally does. Hence this. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So you, you, you did really three things. I, if I remember correctly, correct me, three big things. You, you chopped the heel down. You see a zero drop. You created that. Yeah. Ultra created Just meaning that. that the, the cushioning of the shoe doesn't drop from the heel of the forefoot. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be, you know, it's not dropping anymore. That's the yeah. whole, it's a shoe. It's a term to define the cushioning basically. Yeah. Yep. Zero drop. Foot shape. Foot shape. And then I don't know if there was much talk about, but female specific last. I remember that was a big Fit deal. For her. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, women's running shoes have always just been takedowns of men's. They pull a little volume off the top and call it a female shoe. And I, I always thought that was garbage. Mm-hmm. Women's feet are like 
V shaped compared to men's feet. Men have more like two by four shaped. So feet. instead of pinking, shrinking it, you just yeah, you actually no shrink it, it, pink it. Like yeah. we actually built the woman's shoes from the ground up. Totally different, you know, different. The arch. last was specific for women. Yeah, different foot, you know, shape profile, arch profile, heel fit, everything. You know, over the top. I mean, when you're fitting shoes as a shoe fitter, most women are like, ah, it's kind of tight over my instep. Women have a higher instep you know, in comparison to, to a men's instep in general, you know? And so just like putting that allowance in a last is another thing. So last so, is like the form the shoes built around. For so before ultra, people. before ultra, you were able to let's use this as an example. You were able to take a traditional running shoe, by the way, everyone, I think this is one of the first that ever came off the line. I think that's one of the original 2,500 pair. Yeah. yeah. I and think it was probably one of the, one of the First 50 of those 2,500. Yeah. So cool. Maybe, one, kept of, it. maybe think, one of the first five. I think, I think I re- <laughs> yeah, I probably with us, we each got one, yeah. you know, I think, I don't even know if I've, if I've run in this, it's like one or two. I didn't want to run in it. So it just sits on my shelf. Hmm. So cool. But, um, you were able to take a traditional running shoe and take the heel off. You would take it to a shoe cobbler. You would take the heel off. And then re-glue it back on and give it to this, give it to the, uh, uh, the, the person in the store, right? They were yeah. able to. Yeah. Um, so once I figured out, I wanted the shoes to be level front to back, weight balance front to back. That's, that's where toaster oven came in. So I talked to my dad about it, gave him the idea and he's like, well, that makes sense. You know? And he's like 275, wait till the glue bubbles do it downstairs so mom doesn't get mad. Um, so I go down to the basement and pop shoe in a toaster oven and uh, heat it up, left it in a little long so like the laces melted and some of the TPU plastic stuff melted ugly. But, uh, you know, I was able to pull the rubber off. Mm-hmm. And then I took the foam out and I put a flat piece of foam in or a couple of flat pieces of foam, glued the rubber back on and went for a run. And for the first time in my life, I'm wearing a fully cushioned running shoe, but it's weight balance. Now it doesn't have this chunky heel on it. And I'm like, I feel like I'm running barefoot on grass. And it was this moment of like, thank you. <laughs> you know, uh, just like this glorious moment and, and that's great and all, you know, but I was like, I need to prove this with others. So I did it for my staff. We had like about 20 people working for us at the time, all but one of them loved it, you know? And so I start working with the shoe cobbler down the street who actually ran rivers with my dad in the grand Canyon. Um, and, uh, you know, um, Robert there at village shoemaker. He was just an awesome guy. And I, I'll still never forget like approaching him with the idea. And I was like, yeah, this is what I want to do. And I explained it to him and he's looking at me and, and this guy's like a second generation shoemaker certified podorthist. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he's like, you know, I usually add things to shoes. We don't usually take things away. Um, so explain this to me again. I explain, you know, like, Hey, you know, when the sh- heel is elevated it actually changes your ankle and your hip and your knee and your back and changes your posture and it makes you actually move differently it changes the way we as humans move and i kind of went through it all and showed him the running form stuff and you know get your toes to spread and he starts shaking his head and he's like well that sure makes a lot of sense and, uh, and, and you did like what a thousand of them or something. Yeah. Like we ended up doing, he ended up doing about a thousand pairs of shoes for us that first year. Incredible. Um, yeah. Amazing. And, and people came back with testimonials saying, so we my, actually paid them, we paid them 10 bucks in store credit or whatever to bring back this full page sheet after six weeks that had like 50 questions on it of w- what kind of changes it made in their body. What hurt more, what hurt less, where, what muscles got worked out more or less sore, less sore. Um, how long it took to get used to it, you know, all this stuff. And it was incredible. I mean, we had, basically we had like, we had these five areas that just like off the charts success with, you know, basically people with plantar fascia, you know, fasciitis, fasciopathies. Okay. Yep. Um, it's super common. Uh, shin splints. Runner's knee. All the time. Used to have it. IT band Mm -hmm. and low back. Those five. And just incredible success with those five, like just, just a ridiculous success rate. And, you know, most of them made sense to me. The, the plantar fascia and the low back one, I hadn't wrapped my head around how that was working yet. It makes total sense now, but at the time I was like, well, that's cool. Um, but yeah, we had these, all these hundreds and hundreds of surveys and we basically did this giant, you know, research project on living, breathing, running, hurting humans and got all this data back. And then, was able to take it to the shoe companies and be like, Hey, 
if you will shape the shoes like so the toes can spread out and make them weight balance front to back and get the cushioning to be the same front and back, you know, here's the proof. Here's hundreds of data points. You know, these five injuries that are five of the biggest running injuries out there, um, you know, will go away 90 plus percent of the time. And it was not received well. Hmm. So um, what is it? What does an entrepreneur do? Ah, we, we see it. We I'm see a reluctant it. entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> we see, we see a problem. We create a solution. Yeah. So, I mean, we were already building it we'd built a thousand plus pair at this point, at, you know, at the running store and my cousin, Jeremy comes along and he, you know, he, this is kind of most of the way into this, but he goes for a run on my birthday with me and he hasn't run in five years cause his knees hurt. And he's like, well, that's cool. Let me, let me try a pair. He's like, it's not going to work for me. Like my knees are toast, bro. And we go run out to dry Canyon. It's like a mile and a half. And he's like, Oh my gosh, my knees don't hurt. <laughs> like, like you changed the way I run and my knees don't hurt. Like, I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, it's not all the shoes. It's, it's the technique that the shoes promote. And he was in one of those not. chopped up ones. Yeah. He's you know. wearing a chopped up shoe. And then, and then we switch back and we're wearing the same size shoe. So we, you know, there's limited numbers of these. He puts a normal shoe back on all of a sudden his knees start hurting again. And, you know, he, he, I sent him with a chopped pair and he tries it out and he's blown away and he's like, well, like, give me a real pair. And I'm like, what, what do you mean a real pair? He's like, well, you know, like not made by you. <laughs> and I was like, well, they don't exist. And he's like, you mean to tell me there are no running shoes on the planet that are shaped like feet? I was like, yep. And no running shoes on the planet that have the same amount of cushioning front to back. Like, this is the way we're born. And I was like, nope, they don't exist. And he's like, I don't believe you. You know, I will go find them. I was like, what do I know? I just managed a running store and have been involved in running shoes since I was two, you know, and he goes and does research, calls me up like a week later. He's like, they don't exist. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> He's like, well, we have to make them. I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm not happy about it. I don't want to do it, you know, um, but it, deep down inside, I know you're right, you know, and um, I'd, I'd kind of been coming around to this for a while at this point in time, but, uh, you know, he was, he was like, well, I'm going to find somebody to make them. And I was like, you do that. <laughs> and next thing I know, you know, he's like coming up with contacts and he's like, these guys can do some prototyping and there's prison manufacturing that can be done here. And I'm just like, okay, MacGyver, like, you know, <laughs> and you know, next thing, next thing we know, we're you know, to make a really long story short, you got involved and, and, you know, it's a year and a half later and we're about a million dollars in debt and, you know, we're, we're freaking out and, and we're super excited at the same time. So, yeah. And Ultra was born. And Ultra was born. And the solution came out. Yeah. And it solved those, those real, those three points of, uh, zero deviation between, uh, back and forefront. Yep. Uh, foot, shape. foot shape again, huge. I can't even talk about that enough. How important that is, you know. Yep. Um, and then the female specific last. Yep. And and by the way, I brought. I brought. Um, well, you've got that one. That's the Lone yep. Peak. Uh, Instinct, the first one, the very first ultra. This and is, the Lone Peaks were the very first trail. Ultra. Yeah, that was the first trail. And About why did you call later. it the Lone Peak? I remember you told me you called it because it was one of your favorite peaks to run. It was yeah. so hard. to. Yeah. Lone Peak. I failed on that mountain multiple times before I made it. Um, and such a great mountain. It's 7,000 vertical feet from trailhead to summit. Like Incredible. it's just a monster. Incredible. So yeah. that was the first one. They called it the Lone Peak. This was a fun one. That's the Adam. It's the Adam. They yeah. called it the Adam and Eve. Yeah. And I've got the Adam version. Yeah. And actually all the original shoes, because of the female specific last, we had the instinct and the woman's version was the intuition. Um, and then with the Adam, we had the Eve. Again, um, notice yeah. the foot shape, you know, the, so these are the, these are the, the yeah. three originals, although that, that, uh, lone peak is the 10 year anniversary. Yeah. But, um, uh, so, and, and I want, I want to, I want to say that, um, it's been an incredible success. I mean, you guys, congratulations blew up all around the world. So fun. And I would love, one thing I love about the brand, uh, we were talking about this on the run this morning. Like if I, went, back in the day when I was wearing Saucony or, or Adidas or whatever it was, I, you need to see a person wearing Saucony's at a race and, yeah. hey, 
It's socketing. Yeah, cool. Hey, you like, hey, hey. Ultra, completely different. You run into a world. People flip out. They're just like, oh, you like ultra? I like ultra. Suddenly you're best friends. So it's yeah. like, like, like that. Like I said, it's, it's the foot shape fraternity. <laughs> it, it's, it's awesome. Must feel good. I mean, you made, you made an impact in the world. So I thank yeah. you on behalf of all the runners of the world, Golden. It yeah. was your, your passion. And like John, John Maxwell once said, passion finds a way. And your passion over the years found a way to be able to help people. And which is leading into the next project that you're, you're in. Yeah. Um, and and to lead into that, it, it's interesting. You taught me multiple things, really important things that helped change my running style, helped me become. Now, do I get the odd injury from time to time? Yeah, but usually it's because I go, I try to increase my miles too fast or something, and then I realize, okay, just slow down. But the but the, small kind of stuff. Yes, yeah, I haven't seen stuff. you actually get a real. No, I haven't had an injury. Injury. That None of those injuries that you, you talked about. No, yeah. I haven't had one of them. Yeah. In, uh, since I started working with you, you taught me several things. Number one, if, if you can, um, if you can take one step, take two, uh, that was one of them. And that's a, that's a really important point because that, that gets into. Particularly for trail running. Yeah. yeah. Particularly because you're, you're, what you're trying to do is that, which brings in the next one how many steps per, per minute per foot? It's yeah, 90. 165 to 180 steps a minute, depending on your pace. Yeah. Well, for both. Yeah. But for yep. one side, if you're counting one side. Yep. 90 approximately, 90 or less. And I remember this one time. And so if anyone's watching, you're like, ooh, how can I improve? Count it out, right? I mean, you can yeah, just count it 27 out. 27 to 30 steps on one leg in 20 seconds. Yep. Super simple. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or just wear a float run harness, which we'll talk about. Which we'll talk about in a second. Makes it happen. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and so, um, yeah, in fact, let's get into that because, oh, that was the other thing. That was running one of technique. the other thing was running yeah. technique to have your, your elbows back, elbows chest back forward. which is, yeah. I got to run with this, this today. This is Golden's brand, brand new project, PR, PR, PR gear, gear uh, which stands for personal record uh, gear and the f- I remember this time when we were running together and we saw this runner coming down the canyon and, and it was so fun because Golden stops. He's like, just watch, just watch. And he was, it was like he was floating. And to that point about the steps. It was like, it was, you some, said. Some canyon or something. Just yeah, right? like beautiful. And arms up. Elbows back. Elbows back. Chest forward. Chest forward. Floating. Floating. And we watched him go past. And I remember thinking, oh, that's cool. Float run. Talk about this here for a second. Very simple. Very simple uh, little tool. Yeah. Becomes a tool to help you learn proper running technique. Yeah. So it's. I used this this morning for the first time. I was so excited. Yeah. And it's basically a, a running form coach that comes with you every step of every run until it becomes second nature, until it becomes muscle memory. And, you know, it's, it's really furthering on the mission that Alter was started to, which was, you know, the whole point behind Alter originally was get people to run with better technique and, um, you know, wearing zero drop shoes certainly helps. Um, you know, I do running technique coaching privately. Um, and I, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty good at it. I've taught extremely thousands of running technique classes in my life. I, I've, you know, over the years found out what works and what doesn't, and I can teach it quickly and efficiently. And, but I can spend two hours with a client going through everything personal with their form. And if they remember 20% the next day, that's pretty good. You know, I can spend 30 seconds and put that thing on them and it's better than I am in two hours. You know, they can spend $300 paying me to help them for two hours. It's amazing. Or they can put a, you know, $12 float run harness. On I love that you call it the float run. Yes. Yeah. Cause, Cause that, that was the really way you described to it to me. Yeah. It so you just slip this, you, you just slip this around. I got to do this without smacking the microphone here. A little tricky. Is this right? Yep. Put it on, get the thumb loops under the armpits. And then slip it just, in here. Yep. Just basically two instructions for people is you focus on keeping your elbows back and you don't stretch the thumb loops. Yeah. So you don't want to be running like this. Right. And if you stretch the thumb loop, that means you're doing something you shouldn't be. And so not only is it effective, people don't realize when you arm overstride, meaning when your elbow gaps forward of your hip, which is what most runners do, that causes your foot to land out in front of your knee, which causes your body to jam. 
and makes it so you can't absorb impact. When your foot lands underneath your knee, that big three foot spring running from your toe up to your hip, everything can bend and absorb impact. So, you know, this is how I can run down 14,000 foot mountains and have never had my knees hurt in my life because I've had it beat into my head since I was two years old that you keep your elbows behind your hips to make sure that your feet are landing underneath your knees. So this big three foot suspension spring, which is like your rock shocks in your bike or whatever is actually absorbing the impact. And as long as you're doing that, things are good. Right. And so that's essentially what this does is helps people just reprogram and get that straight. And, you know, it is, it is literally the best running technique coach in the world. Incredible. And it's 12 bucks. So, you know. so simple. <laughs> yeah. And go to, go to, uh, you can get this on your website, right? PR yep. gear, PR gear.co. Yep. Co. And you got a, you got a code for people today. Yeah. Cup of Joe 25. Or, cup of Joe yeah, 25. Cup of Joe 25. Um, yeah. And you get, and you get a discount on yeah, it. 25 off. Incredible. Um, by the way, that was the fourth point is that your knees are springs. I remember you telling me that and anytime, anytime I try to get away from that and that, that goes to the counting of your steps as well. Um, so two other projects that you have, yeah. uh, the gloves you're wearing the gloves right now. Yep. Trail gloves. These are upcoming, not quite out yet, but, um, this is something that, uh, a lot of trail runners have done for about 20 years now is they get bike gloves and they perforate them and they cut the pads out. Um, but it's protection for scrambling or stabilizing on rocks or grabbing trees or like, you know, if, if you're like me, if, if you're not falling, you're not trying hard enough. Um, and so I fall regularly. Right. And, you know, the thing people don't realize when you fall and your hands hit, it hurts and then your hands give way and then the rest of your body gets messed up. If you land on gloves, it doesn't hurt and you're able to just push back up off the ground without as much damage done. So I can testify to that. Literally an injury protection. Um, Stoked thing. for when those come but out, by the way. Super Stoked. Yeah. Super breathable. Watch you know, for backs. those, everyone. Watch for those, yeah. everyone, for sure. And Way then you've comfy. got some. Uh, yeah. We got bridge soles as well. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are, for whatever reason, due to negative media campaigns by traditional shoe companies, etc., um, are afraid of zero drop, you know? Um, and the, uh, the original idea for these was to be a bridge between regular shoes and zero drop shoes. Um, so they have a little bit of drop to them, um, that, um, lowers down over the first couple hundred miles. So it eases their body down from, you know, a regular shoe to a zero drop shoe basically. And then it provides, you know, a deep heel cup, a met pad and a little bit of arch super soft. They roll into a ball. They weigh half an ounce. They're basically weightless. They stack underneath the insoles of the traditional shoe and they just give the shoe a little bit more cush. And by uh, deactivating these three zones, the, the forefoot, the arch and the heel, um, they decrease the body's landing response and landing response is what kind of lights up your calves and your foot muscles, mm -hmm. um, and makes it a little bit harder to transition to more natural style running and more natural footwear. Incredible. And so this is just a bridge from traditional shoes to more natural shoes. That's kind of how it started, but it's actually become a thing where I just did a huge deep dive on research and, and figured out like almost everybody needs a met pad. Uh, and the met pad is, comes up behind your, your forefoot because shoes are all dished um, and your foot is sunk in like this. And really it's supposed to be like this. Mm -hmm. And so this helps, you know, when you wear a shoe, put your foot back in a natural position, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, but also, you know, killer for plantar fascia stuff mm -hmm. and uh, Achilles issues and, and especially neuromas. Neuromas are super common in today's world caused by, you know, traditional toe boxes and the met pad helps gently spread your toes apart and Love provides it. a lot of neuroma relief. So Love it. Um, those are the bridge soles. So they're, they're multi-use. I, I just tell people it's like having an ankle brace. Mm -hmm. You wear it when you need it. You pull it out when you don't, you keep it in the closet. And when life happens and something weird starts to bother you, pop them back in. Love Super it. easy thing. Amazing. Affordable, so you're, you're like I said, countless amount of people. I don't even know how many people you've affected over the years with this passion and running is a passion. I mean, it's yeah. incredible. And, uh, and so thank you, Golden. Thanks for being here. You're honestly an inspiration for me and I, you've made such an impact in me. I love to run. In fact, my, um, my Instagram handle, I changed it over the years to just called, Oh, the places you'll run. Yeah. Because of the book, Oh, the places you'll go. And mm -hmm. I changed it. Oh, the places you'll run. Cause I travel, I used to travel all over the world. 
So I got a couple quick questions for you as we're, as we're closing. Bring it on. Favorite season to run? Uh, right now. Yeah. Autumn. It's, it's a tough call between wildflower season, wildflower season in Colorado is like pretty off the hook. Gotta, I gotta pretty, say, mm-hmm. but, uh, changing leaves season in Utah mountains, pretty tough to beat. So you've pretty tough to beat. I have to agree with you. Number two, you've traveled the world. You've run all over the world. You have a favorite place to run. Oh man. Banff is pretty good. Pretty amazing. Mm, New Zealand. Uh, Rootburn Track, Milford Sound. Yeah. Awesome. That's pretty good. Um, I just got back from Switzerland. Never seen anything like that. Really? Like the, the Swiss Alps. Sorry. Like, oh, the places you're I, around, I love baby. this place, but, you know, uh, we were in Murin. We stayed in Murin. You're staying up at 5,500 feet. You're looking off down to 2,000 feet. So you're looking 3,500 feet down. You're looking up to t- 13,000 feet. You know, Incredible. so you're looking, you know, 6,500 feet up and there's a Canyon wall, like right there with 15, 300 foot plus waterfalls on it. I mean, like the scale just messes with your brain. So I got to say, as far as like mind blowing places, um, the, you know, the Bernese Overland and I I got to run at the Matterhorn. That was pretty cool too. Um, So incredible. the, The Swiss Alps probably take the cake for me. Awesome. Do you listen to music when you run? Negative. No, not very often. Okay. Um, you get into the zone. I think it's in actually, the moment. It's a in little bit of a sin to listen to music while trail running. Oh, I have to agree with you. I, I have on the road occasionally. Uh, I I did it at the end of a race one time, and it worked really well for me. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it's that's an oddity for me. Perfect. The occasional podcast, though, I'll do that. Golden, thank you. Seriously, thank you. This is amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So fun. You made an yeah. impact on my life. I know countless people around the world uh, are better runners, more passionate runners, more uh, less injuries with their, with their running because of your passion and because of your knowledge. And I'm stoked for this next. They have to follow it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But this one, uh, this is becoming a a part of, it's going to become a part of my routine. So thank you very much. Even though you taught me this years ago, this is a great tool to be able to keep it in check, you know? Yeah. So thank you everyone for joining on this episode of a cup of joe with golden harper thanks for having me it's so good to be here thank you stoked about this one i hope you're inspired to be able to take your walking running whatever to the next level whatever that might mean for you so thanks for joining everyone make it a great day